0: Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, videomaker, Oakland native, and a first aid fanatic. I'm also a huge fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, and secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune every day so don't leave too soon i'm gonna teach you stuff no, it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's today in 1974 the heimlich maneuver was first published this first aid procedure helps people who are choking and have their airway obstructed making it hard to breathe Since any ordinary person, not just doctors, can learn the Heimlich, it's a life-saving procedure that has left its mark in first aid. Let's look back on how the maneuver was discovered and the impact it's had. Born in Delaware in 1920, Henry Heimlich was a medical researcher and a thoracic surgeon, meaning that he operated on the chest and throat. At the time, in the 1970s, choking was a severe risk, causing more deaths than gun violence. Unfortunately, the rate of deaths by gun violence has only increased since then. More Americans have died from gun violence since 1968 than all US wars combined. But at least in the realm of choking, Heimlich could make a difference. Thousands of people were dying, making choking the sixth leading cause of accidental death. So as a thoracic surgeon, Heimlich wanted to do something about it. Heimlich was no stranger to innovation. Twelve years prior, in 1962, he invented the chest drainage flutter valve, which is used to help collapsed lungs re-expand. This technology is still used today. Since it's small and portable, it can help hospital patients walk around during treatment. To solve the choking problem, though, some scientists tried to make pliers or vacuums to suck out whatever food or object was obstructing the ability to breathe. But none of these inventions worked. Heimlich followed the story, trying to determine how he could use his expertise to save lives. Then, Heimlich realized that we have enough air in our lungs that maybe, if our lungs were compressed, the air would shoot up strongly enough to dislodge the object, clogging the windpipe. We don't condone animal testing here, but the story of how Heimlich tested his hypothesis is pretty wild. He found a dog in his laboratory, as one does, and sedated the dog. Then he tied a piece of meat to a string and lodged it in the dog's windpipe. He picked up the dog, positioned himself behind it, pressed his fist above the belly button, After the third compression, the piece of meat flew across the room. Thankfully, the story didn't end another way because woof, literally. Heimlich knew that he was onto something big, something that could save lives. That brings us to today, in 1974, when Heimlich wrote about his findings in a journal called Emergency Medicine. After his article, which was titled, Pop Goes the Cafe Coronary, news spread fast about Heimlich's claim that he had an answer to the choking crisis. Meanwhile, In Bellevue, Washington, a man named Isaac Pia walked outside to hear a neighbor begging for help. He ran over to find the man's wife choking, and since he had recently read Heimlich's article, he knew exactly what to do. He used the abdominal thrust like he read, and sure enough, the piece of food flew out of the woman's mouth. So, on June 19th, 1974, the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, which still exists today, reported that Pia was the first person to successfully use Heimlich's method to save someone from choking to death. Even celebrities like Cher, Carrie Fisher, and Ronald Reagan have been saved by the Heimlich. But Heimlich became something of a celebrity himself. He appeared on the Johnny Carson and David Letterman shows to demonstrate the maneuver. Soon, the procedure was common knowledge across the country. Since you don't need any medical training or supplies to use the Heimlich maneuver, it's something that most people are capable of doing, empowering us to maybe save a life if we're ever in the right place at the right time. CPR is a similar skill. It's a type of first aid that any ordinary civilian can do if they're trained. But CPR differs from the Heimlich because it's used on unconscious people, whereas the Heimlich is used when people are conscious. Also, it's actually possible to perform the Heimlich on yourself. This technique is similar to how you'd use the Heimlich on another person. You ball your hands in a fist slightly above the navel and push hard, compressing the lungs. But if you're alone, you can also use hard service like a table or a chair to help you to apply more force. Doctors recommend doing at least 5 to 10 compressions, but also, this podcast definitely isn't a medical advice show. Take a CPR class if you're able to. It could save a person's life. And well, I guess we know from Heimlich's research that you might be able to save a dog's life, too. In 2016, when Heimlich passed away at age 96, it was estimated that over 50,000 people had been saved by his first aid technique. For that, we can let the dog thing slide. Now let's talk about music. On this day in 2008, a fire at Universal Studios Hollywood destroyed thousands of master tapes controlled by Universal Music Group. This started when a worker used a blowtorch to heat up asphalt shingles that were being applied to the side of the building, but the worker didn't properly extinguish the flame. The resulting fire took 24 hours to put out and ended up destroying three acres of land at Universal Studios. According to a New York Times article, the fire destroyed extensive musical archives from some of the most celebrated artists of all time. Some of these tapes are thought to have included outtakes and unreleased recordings from artists like Chuck Berry and John Coltrane, and even non-musical audiophiles like Martin Luther King Jr. speeches were lost. But strangely enough, Universal Music had disputed the reporting in the Times article. So, how much was really lost? We're not sure, but hopefully the best bits of music were backed up somewhere else. And now it's time for today's final segment of today's show. I'm going to see what I was up to on a June 1st in my life. On June 1st, 2017, I went to see an exhibit at the D. Young, which is a museum in San Francisco with my friend Allie, and it was about the 70s. And... Um, I really like going to museums. I don't even know if this is a particularly interesting memory, but this was one of the first exhibits that I went to that was about music specifically um, and in the era of the 70s, which is a very cool period of time. Um, And the exhibit was also largely about psychedelics, which is also interesting. Um, But yeah, I really like going to museums. I think this is like, that's one thing that I'd really like to do going forward in my life is just go see what exhibits are on display in different areas of the world. And the de Young is one of the coolest museums I've ever been to. So if you ever get the chance and you're in San Francisco, definitely check it out. It was very cool. I don't know what's on display right now, but I think that all their exhibits are very consistent and the building itself is very beautiful. So go ahead and check it out. It's also right across from the California Academy of Sciences, which is arguably, in my opinion, the best aquarium to exist that I've ever been to. Thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. Thanks for joining me. It's 365 with MXM2